part of the sermon series is highlighting the resource. And what's wonderful about this resource is, is there's just uh, uh, something for every category, whether it be marriage, parenting, uh, uh, Bible studies, uh, uh, theology, all the different areas that you want to grow in, the ability to feed yourself is there, which is awesome. And I talk to you guys about this. I'm not very good with tools. I'm not very handy. I'm very eager, and I always think I can do this, and I, and I can't. But sometimes one of the most intimidating things to do with tools, even though they're cool to have, is if you don't know how to use them, they kind of just sit there. And so I realize that even though these tools are available, sometimes the idea of using them is hard. And so we want to demonstrate how we can use them. So we've been highlighting different categories. And this morning, uh, I'm actually going to highlight kind of our mental health, which is an aspect that doesn't get spoken about a lot in church, but it, it really, really should. And, and a lot of the reason why it doesn't is because, you know, most of us just don't know a lot about it. And, and I'm one of those. I am so far from an expert when it comes to uh, different mental health issues. And so I am not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about, really. Uh, I've just been watching and making some observations and have personal stories to deal with. And so this morning, we're actually going to address the idea of anxiety. Now, if you've noticed, uh, it's, I feel like we're all kind of in different stages. And, and my kids, my, my girls are in, in school, high school particularly. And you notice that the term anxiety more and more. And more and more individuals are being diagnosed with anxiety or, or uh, in a way, just admitting that they are experiencing anxiety. And it, it's becoming more prevalent. It's being more talked about. And some are diagnosed and being treated for anxiety. And this is not the type of message that says, now stop your treatment and all that kind of stuff. That, that is by far not what I'm saying. And, and that is not the goal of what we're going to talk about in addressing this morning. But I, I do want to acknowledge that the Bible actually does speak about things like this. And that there is hope. Now, uh, I've spent the last month or so kind of studying this, looking at it. And, and, and uh, as we kind of read it, the, the experts show that a really, really high percentage of people who suffer from anxiety, actually the percentage is, is, is so uh, shockingly high that I actually didn't even write it in there because I'm not 100% sure it's true. But a, a large percentage uh, will actually go to things like, uh, um, I forgot the exact a word they use, but, but they will move to a place where they are either uh, um, coping with it, so hiding from it, running from it, or, or they transition to uh, um, a lot of addictions, whether it be food addictions, uh, um, uh, uh, substance addictions, porn addictions, and, and all the goal is not to deal with the issue of anxiety, but rather to hide from, because there's a feeling that there's nothing that can be done about it. And so this morning, we're going to look at a video series from a pastor who actually is diagnosed and suffered from anxiety, and now kind of uh, 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 living with it, and teaching uh, uh, believers how they can use their anxiety to actually go to God with it, honestly. So this morning, uh, we're just going to watch a short clip uh, from uh, uh, Pastor Jonathan. So you can play the clip. It was a good day at work if I didn't fail or if I didn't mess up. And it was a, it was a bad day at work if I did make a mistake. And I, I took a lot of that very personally and I took it home with me. I start not getting sleep. I start overworking. I start not prioritizing my time because I feel like it's my job to do it all. I was just so in my head about trying to make everything work and not letting anyone in. I was trying to keep up appearances in a way. I'm Jonathan Pecluda. I'm so excited about this series because we're going to 
be talking about how anxiety has played a role in so many of our daily lives and how it can keep us away from God. We're going to use God's Word to see God's perspective on how and why anxiety plagues our society. We're going to talk about anxiety's tendencies to rob us of our peace of mind and keep us from the physical and spiritual rest that Jesus offers us. We'll also hear stories from people with jobs and children, friends, and busy schedules just like many of us and see how their Christian faith informs their battle with anxiety. And really at that moment, I realized like, I cannot do this my way. Truly, what I found was the gospel and relationships with others. Because every time I prayed about my needs, it was like God was telling me, don't worry. I learned how to stop and just listen to the voice of the Lord. If he's carrying me this far, then sure enough, he can lead me to where I'm headed next. My prayer is that God would transform the way you think about anxiety, that he would move in gracious ways to bring about healing, restoration, and peace in your life. So Jonathan has this series, which is excellent. I watched it and also one specific to uh, COVID-19 and anxiety. And uh, they're, again, they're excellent series. And from reading and watching this series, uh, um, I'm noticing, A, there isn't a lot of people in the Christian sphere really talking about it. And, and when you do read about it and see about it, you see that one of the challenges believers have is actually just acknowledging that they are dealing with anxiety or fear. Because you feel in a lot of ways that as Christians, we should be above it, right? That, that, that you know, we should be above it. And so uh, a lot of times when we're experiencing pain, anxiety, fear, those different things, attached with it is kind of shame and guilt. Like, I should not be struggling with this. And I, I don't know if anyone, you know, you don't have to raise your hand because that's also intimidating, but have struggled with that concept. Like, this is honestly here, me as well, that, that I should not be struggling I should be above it in that attitude. And again, if we, we look, again, the focus of the series is not how to eliminate anxiety from the lives, but rather how, uh, where we go when we are feeling overwhelmed. Does that draw us closer to God or does that move us to isolation? And, and, and how do we overcome those feelings with God together, that you're not alone in doing it. Now, again, I, I pointed out that studies show a high percentage of people who are dealing or suffering with anxiety will move to, to separation or different addictions. And, and, and the goal is not to hide what we're dealing with, but rather uh, to ask, who are we hiding from? Who are we hiding from? And, and do we need to hide from God? Now, one of the hurdles I see, and this is like kind of the gospel of Sam, is statements like, th certain statements like, I don't know if you've heard it before, uh, God will not give you anything that you can't handle. Has anyone heard that before? Now, um, that isn't fully accurate. That, that's actually not biblical. The truth is that we live in a world that is, is broken, and we are going to experience life, and life isn't always good, and we will experience things that overwhelm us. And the question of the challenge is, what do we do with those overwhelming feelings? If we have this prevailing idea that God is not giving us anything that we can't handle, and that God is then giving us these overwhelming uh, um, feelings, then who do we go to? 
And, and, and the truth is, is not quite like that. Now, where that statement comes from is from a portion of Scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 10, and it's two verses. And I think they're just slightly misunderstood. So let's read those verses together. It's 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so it's generally this verse that's used with that statement that God will not give you anything you can't handle. Now, there's a few things to point out here. First, if we have the understanding that God actually gives this word temptation, which we're going to define, then right away it kind of makes sense why the idea is broken. And the Bible teaches us that, that, that brokenness doesn't actually come from God, but it actually comes from this broken world and we who are a part of it. That temptation and that pressure comes from without, not from God. Comes from, sorry, from within, not from without. And, and so this word temptation is an interesting one because most of the time if I, if I say the word temptation, we're actually thinking like things that cause us to sin. Is, is that fair enough? Right? Like even if you want to use like sin, like, like say, say you're deciding that you're not going to eat sugar anymore and someone pulls out some Ben and Jerry's. That's temptation, right? You're looking at you like, I'm being tempted. Well, temptation isn't necessarily defined like that. And a, a really good way to understand temptation, specifically the word that Paul's using here in Corinthians, is more like, like pressure. Like, I don't know if you've ever had your blood pressure taken, when the word pressure is in it, but it, the first time you've ever done that, and, and if you haven't, it's kind of fun. You could go into the little store and they do it. But when the sleeve starts filling with air, it goes to a point, and maybe it's because I got larger arms, but you think either my arm's going to burst or the sleeve's going to burst. Anyone? <laughs> We're like, like, when is this thing going to stop? And then it kind of stops and you're like, okay, I'm alive. Like, oh, your blood pressure's high. Well, of course I'm freaking out over there. Anyways, that, 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 that pressure. And sometimes life is, is that pressure. So not kind of understanding it. If we go back to that verse, here Paul's saying like, like there, there is pressure in this world. And all of us face pressure but in this pressure God makes a way and so the better understanding is not God won't give you anything you can't handle the reality is we are going to constantly face things that we can't handle the question is when we are experiencing the overwhelming pressure of life do we see the way out that God has made for us or are we just being overwhelmed by that pressure is that pressure moving us towards God or pulling us away are we finding ourselves like the studies say separating ourselves from people or separating ourselves from a God who can help uh, 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 numbing the feeling of fear and anxiety with other uh, addictions and distractions because we feel like there is no way out this morning, this is the truth of God, and this is the promise of God. Not that we wouldn't face anything that's overwhelming. We will. We will face things, and not everything is good, and we need to understand that. And God's goodness isn't in response to the pressures of this world, but rather the pressures of this world come because we have an enemy who wants to distract us from the goodness of God. God's goodness is so overwhelming that in this world, there's another ruler who wants to see you crumble, who wants your worst. And how do you try to overcome goodness? By overwhelming it with pressure, with darkness, with that temptation. So this is the promise that God gives us, that not, while not everything is good, 
And while this life is broken, God is faithful and he makes a way out. Now, it's easy to say that when you're here in this position. It's kind of like um, we did Disneyland. Everything feels like it was last year, but we haven't left for two years. So we did Disneyland at some point in my life, maybe three years ago now. And, and you know, you talk to people who will go through a ride, and they're like, yeah, it's great. Well, because they've done it. I have yet to experience that this ride will not kill me. Anyone else? Right? You're telling me it's good because you've gone through it. And it's the same way. This is almost a statement of faith for some of us. God is faithful, and, and he is making, and he has made a way out. So the question is how? So this is where I'm going to invite you into my journey a little bit. And, and uh, we're going to look at a, a psalm. Actually, it's a very, very famous psalm. It's Psalm 23, and it's a psalm of David. Now, David wrote this psalm uh, under intense pressure and with significant fear in, in the history of his life. And, and that's kind of where he is writing this psalm from. So this morning, we're going to go through Psalm 23. I'm just going to break it down kind of verse by verse and begin to walk through the truth of who God is. And again, the goal uh, of that video series and the goal of me is not that we would deny the fact that we are dealing with anxiety or dealing with fear or overwhelmed. I think uh, um, denial and shame doesn't come from God. I think that's actually a lie from our enemy. But rather, God accepts us for who we are. And so God is giving us an invitation, honestly, to be honest with him in communication and in relationship that we can actually bring our brokenness to God. Like maybe you feel like anxiety is brokenness or we are allowed to bring that to God. There isn't a level where he says, I'm ashamed of you or you should be better. That, that's not who God is. That's kind of a lie or maybe a misrepresentation of what we've made God view. Uh, that's not English, but you know what I'm trying to say. Anyways, Psalm 23, starting in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, as David writes this, this is more than just the truth. In fact, the way it's written is an acknowledgement, more like a declaration. It's like David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is building himself up. Now, um, how do we relate that? Well, I'm, anyone else here kind of afraid of spiders? Me and spiders, we are not simpatico. I'm not a big, big fan of spiders. But there's moments where like Katie deals with it and it's fine. But there's moments when she's not around. Right? And we have these things called jumping spiders. Right? Why? This is like, if you want an example that this world is broken, those things exist. But moments when my kids are like, there's a spider and, and dad's got to take care of it. Right? And so it's kind of like, I, can, I got this. I can do this. I can do this. I can. It's that, that building yourself up. This is kind of that statement where, where David is making, in this moment, God, you are for me. In this moment, God, you are for me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In this moment, God is for me. Now we look at verse 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now it's important to understand that at this point, the situation, the pressure that David is in, isn't over yet. But he's still writing this. Now, if we look at, at verse 2 and 3, it's really a declaration of God's direction. In this moment, he makes peace. In this moment, he is, and it's miraculous. He's making this miraculous invitation of peace. You cause me, you make me lie down. 
that language means I don't want to. Ever, you know, I'm the calm one in our relationship. I'm laid back like things will take care of themselves in a lot of ways. And Katie's more the organized person. And, and there's nothing more damaging to my marriage than me saying, relax, it's going to be okay. When in fact, you know, she is, it's not going to be okay. We got to go, right? And this is me with the docking announcement, right? There's two types of people in this world who take a ferry. One who the minute the announcement's made, they're moving to their car. Or there's a second person who that's the sound, that's, that's the time that you go to the washroom, right? Like you hear the, okay, washroom. And so we are, that's our family. I am the, oh, docking announcement, slowly make your way, meander to the washroom. Docking announcement, my wife, we're going to the car now. Right? Two, different, two different people. And it feels like sometimes in life that, that, that I got to deal with this now, overwhelmed now. I got to be, I got to be, I got to be. And God's response is, lie down. It's the last thing I need to do. But he makes us lie down. This, this miraculous peace. Now, verse four, uh, sorry, verse three is fun. Uh, uh, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Now, the idea of passive righteousness is not just a lovely saying, but it's actually a thing. And it's a specific terminology that shepherds would use at that time. And in fact, if you look it up, uh, shepherds in the area where David would have been still use this phrasing and this exact uh, wording in the Hebrew language. And, and in the area where uh, um, the shepherds are leading their sheep for grazing, like I'm not a shepherd, can you tell how I'm talking about this? Anyways, uh, they would have these, these hills. Now, now uh, um, these hills would be like these, kind of like the sound of music. Anyone watch the sound of music? And she's like dancing on the rolling hills of grass. So you can begin to picture that, right? These rolling hills of grass, except they're actually in a, in a wet area. And, and the area is prone to flash flooding. And, and generally speaking, in the area, if there is going to be flash flooding, it happens in the later afternoon or, or evening. And so shepherds then will take their, their sheep and they'll start them to graze low. And the grass lower is of, you know, it's just wetter, not the prime grass. And they will feed the sheep either in circles around the hill or in switchback. And the sheep would feed in that direction till the very end of the day, where then it would graze on top where the grass is the best. And then that's where they would rest. So overnight, they wouldn't be taken out by the flash flood. So obviously David's a shepherd. He knows this. And now, do you ever feel like in, in your dealing with God, that you're going around in circles. Like, I, God, where are you in this? Why am I still dealing with this thing? Without realizing that God is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's leading me, and he's guiding me. And I feel like I'm going around in circles and circles. Next thing you know, I'm on top of that mountain, feeding on that prime grass, right? That, that's that picture. I don't know, I kind of think that's kind of beautiful. Then you look in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In this moment, I acknowledge that God, you are with me. In fear, in anxiety, I am not abandoned. It's a declaration. I will stand. I am overwhelmed, but God, you are with me. I don't know if I can go forward, but God, you are for me. Even when I walk in the darkest place possible. And that's that language. Again, this verse, a lot like uh, um, passive righteousness, has specific meaning. 
And we don't really need to go there to understand that there's moments in our life that are just really, really dark. And God, where are you? And it's just David, David's making this acknowledgement that even in this, God, you are with me. Now we move on to verses five and six. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's just this proclamation of God's blessing. This is the faith that, that we stand before life in all our brokenness. And so if you want to picture carrying anxiety as your pal, this is my friend anxiety, this is my friend fear, and we're coming to the table together and I can't function it. And God's response is, I am blessing you to overflowing. Here, let me pour you a glass of wine. And it's just pouring over, you know. Or if we're not there, the glass of water. And it's just pouring over. And he's blessing us. He's blessing us. I don't deserve blessing. I, I, I'm wrong. I'm broken. God's like, I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you. And then our future is in his hands. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This is that problem. I know that regardless of where I go, in this moment, your goodness is following me. That I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Now that statement is a fun statement because it's future and present. And we don't have a lot of that in the English language. But it's, it's, it, it, David, as he's saying this, it's future that he will dwell in the house of the Lord and it's present. I am dwelling in the favor of God. Now if you want to picture the idea of house, it's been everything that's available to you in this house is available to me here. Now, how does this fit? So, truth is, I'm not above any of this. And while I haven't really dealt with, I don't know, anxiety per se, maybe I have. I don't, I don't really know it, and I don't pretend to know it. Uh, um, but recently, specifically in this season, um, it has been overwhelming. And, and I don't think I'm alone in that. That there is literal moments where I'm good, and there's literal moments where the terror kind of just makes me freeze. And we kind of the joke with me is, yeah, I'm a, I'm not a big list person, so if I see lists, I start rocking in the corner. But this season has brought me to a point where there's moments where like there's just so much unknown. What's going to be here? Who's going to be left? Who's going to do anything? You know, am I going to survive? Is the church going to survive? Is my marriage going to survive? Blah, 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 blah. Fear, 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 fear. And, and what you're actually witnessing is my prayer life. Halfway through the season, I want to say sometime in the summer. So I went through a cycle. So COVID happened, and I was so busy learning the technology, getting this stuff together, that actually it didn't affect me at all. Outside, the, the church was closed, and every Sunday was weird. Like talking to the wall, crazy. Singing with no one around, strange. But like still, I was so occupied that I, I never had a chance to feel the feelings. And then like summer came and it kind of looked hopeful. You guys remember that? Thinking, we're done. And then we were not done. And that second thing, wave season, was so crushing that I just didn't know how to function. And I was reading my devotions and this is what I was reading. And it became this realization that, that this needs to be my prayer. So this is what I would do out loud about twice a day when, when the, I felt like just 
not doing anything. And sometimes we have this idea that anxiety and fear means you don't function. But a lot of us function in anxiety and we function in fear because we kind of have to, right? All the moms in here are like, yeah, you still got to do it, right? And yet, when I felt like I can't do anything at all, this was the prayer that I would pray. This is the acknowledgments that I, would, that, I would, that I would acknowledge. That God, you are for me. In what little I have any control in, whatever it might come, I have actually zero control in. I don't know the future, but God, you are for me. You bring me peace. You protect me. You bless me. This morning, I hope that as you hear me talk about this, you want to give me incredible grace because there's a lot I don't know. But also, you would come to realize that that things like anxiety and these things are, are not things that are diseases that need to be dealt with. We don't cut it out of you. It's not an appendix. <laughs> it's not those things. I, I, I know there's a statement that like, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's something about doing it even though you're afraid. So bad with expressions. But anxiety isn't like the absence of goodness, right? It's not the absence of your salvation. It's not the absence of God. It's what you're bringing to God right now. And the question is, and the invitation is, that you are allowed to and will you bring it to God? Because he is open to you. In relationship with God, we can actually begin to move forward. That we can begin to see hope. I, I loved hearing the stories because almost every story in the video was, were people who had real jobs and still functioned. Whether uh, a couple of them would just go through job after job after job. But they, they were still doing life. And it was this point where, where it was not like every day they got better, but they noticed, but every month it was a little bit better. And it was a little bit better. It's getting a little bit better. And so this is an invitation to, A, find a God who loves you and accepts you for who you are. To go to him. To take that fear and that anxiety. And to realize that every moment it's just getting a little bit better. It's getting a little bit better. And it's getting a little bit better. It gets easier. Where does my anxiety, fear, pain lead me? Does it lead me closer to God? Or is it causing me to pull away? Is it leading me to people for support and help? Or is it leading me to isolate myself? So this morning, I, I want to pray for you. So there's a few different groups I'd like to pray for. First of all, I want to make a habit of praying for those who have never made a decision to really believe Jesus before. Maybe you've watched this for a while, or you're here and you've participated for a while, but um, you've never really made the decision to invite Jesus fully into your life. Now, the Bible says that all you need for this is to believe. And this is the beauty of, of this faith, is, is you don't have to have your stuff together to be accepted. And a lot of places in life, you got to have your stuff together. You know, probably the one exception is the library, right? Everyone can have a library card. But with, with, with salvation, it's literally just belief. So this morning, and if you believe that Jesus was who he said, that he was real, that he died, and that he rose again, then you're making this invitation to say, I want you to live in me. And that kind of begins the process. That's what begins this communication and connection with God who wants to be part of your life. He wants to be connected with you, and he made a way through Jesus. Secondly, if you're, if you're listening to this, and there's moments in your life, and you don't even know how to label it. And maybe you don't need to, but where fear, a pain, all these different things has completely crippled your relationship with God and your relationship with others and your ability to function. 
And I just want to pray that you would discover the freedom that comes with openness and honesty as you make connection with God and with others. Uh, I guess third, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm already here and I'm good, then I just pray for more, that we would discover more. But, but mostly, man, that we would just continue to grow in the knowledge of God's love and acceptance of us where we are. So let's, let's uh, pray together. So first of all, again, if, if uh, you have never made this decision, I invite you to pray this with me. And would everyone here just pray this with me so we're not like isolating someone? So I uh, just begin to pray this with me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died and you rose again. And even though I don't have it all figured out, I invite you into my life. I'm sorry. And now I want to move forward with you. <laughs> Amen. Welcome. For us, Holy Spirit, that, that this is a real struggle. That there's just these moments where sometimes it feels like we just can't breathe. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show me the way out. That you would help me see where you are in this moment. Your word says that, that you are faithful and that you make a way out. That you're good and you make a way out. So even in situations that are not good, Holy Spirit, I ask that you show me and reveal your goodness. Where are you in this moment? Would you teach us to, to go to you in full honesty with whatever feelings that we may be having? Whether it be anxiety, whether it be stress, pain, unforgiveness, sadness, mourning, all the, the different feelings. Holy Spirit, would you teach us just, just how open and honest that we can really be with you? I pray that in those moments that we would feel in the incredible depth and amazingness of your love, your mercy, and your kindness. That we would continue to grow in the knowledge of your love for us. How deep, how wide it is. And Holy Spirit, I'd be remiss if I just didn't pray for healing. That God, your word says that we can actually exchange these things. That we can exchange our mourning for gladness, our, our despair for our joy that there's this exchange where you take our brokenness and you give us wholeness. Even in Revelation, there's this wonderful picture where, where we take kind of our blindness and, and, and the rightiness of our clothes and he exchanges it for, for just eyes that see and, 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 and these beautiful clothing that, that we think that we're, we're rich, but really you're poor and we just, you give us your richness. And so, Jesus, we would just pray for this exchange. That this wouldn't just be a, a thing of how do I cope, but rather the, the, how do I walk in the freedom that you give me? I pray even as we, as we look at this psalm and other areas and other things, like even like your Lord, there's lots of things that we can declare and pray. I just pray that as we do it, that we will continue moving towards freedom and healing in your name, Jesus. Third, if for the rest of us who are good, we just, man, we want more of you, God. We want to discover more of you, more of your presence, more of your spirit. Your word shows us that, God, as we live out your gospel, that you demonstrate it through signs, wonders, and miracles by your Holy Spirit. And, and this is what we want to see in your life. More of those things, Holy Spirit, as we pray and as we influence the people around us, Holy Spirit. We just pray your will be done and your kingdom come. Here in, in this city, in my sphere of influence, as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen.
text. So this morning, I feel like I really didn't mention that, that man, God can heal and God does heal. So this morning, if you're here and you want prayer, I want to pray for you. And I believe that God responds. And, and, and I believe sometimes it's instantly. And sometimes it's a process. Whatever it is, God still heals today. So I want to pray for you. Uh, but, if, but if you need to go, then go in the knowledge of a God who loves you and accepts you for who you are today.